1: Let's go on with the show.
2: Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is James Kandasami, and he is the CEO of Achieve Investment Group. He's also an award-winning multifamily syndicator with over 2,000 doors and 160 million on assets under management. And even better than that, he's a best-selling author of the book, Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate. Thank you so much for joining James. Uh, we've got the expert in the house today for sure.
1: <laughs> hey Ken, uh, happy to be at your show.
2: Yeah, thank you. So start with telling us a little bit about yourself. Help our listeners get to know you. Well, I am
1: a used to be electrical engineer with an MBA and I've been doing real estate for past what, six, seven years maybe, and multifamily past uh, five years. And, you know, uh, we own like more than 2,000 units right now, um, focusing a lot in Austin and San Antonio, Texas. Texas. Uh, we also vertically integrated a company, which we can go through what that means in a short while. And um, as you mentioned, you know, author of best-selling book, uh, Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate, which was uh, released like almost two years ago. And we have sold like 2,000 copies of it, probably more because 2,000 was like after one year. And after that, I stopped counting. <laughs> and, uh, and these are like all paid copies. So it's not like free book or 99 cent. You know, the, no, mm-hmm. this is paid mm-hmm. copy full price it's on Amazon. Thing. On amazon.com, right? So people definitely are reading the book, paying for it, which means I do give some value and I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy for that. And you know, happy to share any, any passive investing uh, knowledge uh, with your audience as well.
2: Well, very cool. Yeah, no, we'll definitely dig into all that today. Uh-huh. So why did you start investing in real estate? Why, uh,
1: it was a big aha moment when I was on a W2 job uh, and when my boss came and, uh, you know, tell me that I have to work in the company for another 16 years and I didn't understand why because when I came to the US, uh, you know, uh, I thought I'd know how the cost of living here is, right? But little that I know about the cost of education and I have like three kids, right? And, and when he told me that and I was, I told him like, I have three kids and he said, oh, okay, so you're going to work for another 16 years. I said, why? Oh, every kid is going to be like, you know, 100 to 200,000, right? For education, right? Oh, that's <laughs> crazy, right? If you go for better <laughs> school, it's like 300,000 and all that, right? And and uh, it was an aha moment for me because my education as an engineer only cost like, you know, total like maximum $5,000, US dollars for wow. a four-year degree. And it was a shocking moment for me. And that, That's the time I realized that, hey, you know, I can't be just doing a W2 job, I have to do some business to do, you know, another another source of income and I was looking at different asset class like stocks or bonds, I mean, I didn't look at bonds, you know, nobody, not many people knows about investing in bonds stocks and uh, trying to do some website business and you know end of the day we settled at real estate i mean we did try all that i did try all that and i failed Mm -hmm, and -hmm. real estate was the the one that is slow and steady and i can really control the asset using my sweat equity right so um, so you know that attracted me a lot uh, and we can use a lot of business skills um, Mm -hmm. to find deals in real estate and also the realization that real estate is the only asset class that you can buy you know, below value, market value. Like I mm-hmm. say, a hundred thousand house, if it's a distress, it drops in value and you can buy it below the market value, right? And and sometimes you go off market, you can buy a lot more below market value, and you can put mortgage on it too. Like you can put 80% or 75% mortgage on it. So somebody's giving you a loan to buy that asset, right? I mean, you can't you don't get that in stocks, not in a true sense, not a real mortgage. And you can basically, you can, after you improve, you can sell it above market value as well. So, which is crazy, right? I mean, there's three different area where you're buying below market value. Somebody's giving you a mortgage to buy it at the same time, you can push it above market value. You know, there's no other investment asset class which can give you that. For example, stock doesn't give you, right? You're buying on that value on that day, right? And you basically got no control as well. So, so that's the reason why I selected uh, real estate and was very... um, Encouraging for me to do, you know, this asset class as my, you know, preferred way of uh, investing.
2: Gotcha, and, you, and you've obviously had a, a ton of success, and now mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're giving back by by educating other investors through your book yeah. and through other sources. So, yeah. Yeah. so let's dig into some of the topics in the book, sure. for a little bit because uh, you know a lot of the listeners out there are passive investors or, or folks that are that are looking to invest in real estate. Um, I mean, kind of walk us walk us through how how the book is is outlined a little bit, and uh, help us understand some of of what are the main things that passive investors uh, need to know.
1: Sure, sure, absolutely. So the book is written in a very simple language. It has comp it has complex topic because I'm I'm a very technical guy, I'm a very numbers guy, but I try not to put too much mathematical equations and to make it too much complex. So I wrote it in a very simple language. You know, people can spend four to five hours and finish reading the whole book. Yet you're going to find a lot more details that you don't find in a lot of uh, other avenues, right? I mean, a lot of times if you go to a conference or meetup, I mean, people are just going to talk about how do you buy apartments, right? But I want to focus on how does passive investor choose their investment? So so it has like seven chapters, you know, with like introduction of SEC regulations, how a syndication works, you know, how does LLC being structured? You know, then we go into more, how do you uh, select your investment? What kind, of, what, what kind of consideration should you do, right? And the biggest thing that people forget is like not all syndications are created the same.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Uh, every deal is different. And, but a lot of times, what passive investors forget is how do you, how do they match their own objective in life to that deal? Right. Sometimes people just look at the return. Oh, that's look that that's the return looks good. I like the sponsor. I like the market. I want to go and invest. But within that paradigm, there's a deal where it's a lot more, you know, heavy on cash flow. There's a lot more heavy on equity, not less on cash flow. And how do they match this different spectrum? of deals to what their investment goal is. So
0: mm-hmm. the
1: matching of that investment goal is, is, a you know, we go very deep into it because I think that's very important. And a lot of passive investors just blindly throwing in money into every deal that they see and, uh, you know, whichever putting a lot, you know, um, whichever content they like, you know, uh, they're going to put, uh, they're going to, you know, invest in that deal, right? Yeah. Because sometimes when a lot of people find the real estate syndication. They start, "Wow, this is a big thing. I like it so much. I'm going to use all my one million dollars in the next three months." Sure. Right? They say they see 10, 10 deals. They put hundred thousand into each, but without them thinking on a hey, these deals have its own characteristics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? How do I match my investment goal to this deal? Right? How do I look mm-hmm. at this as an investment that I'm going to be using for next twenty years? Right? So how am I going yeah. to achieve my financial independence? Looking at these characteristics of this deal and investing differently, so that I can achieve my goal at the end, right? So there's a lot of things that we discuss in that book, which I think will be very interesting for your, you know, for your passive investors. And after yeah. that, we go into more into indicators. right? when people talk about cash and cash, when people talk about IRR or equity multiple, what does it mm-hmm. means? Mm-hmm. How how in a very simple language, I explain a lot of, uh, um, I would say, uh, complex. Topic um, sure. into you know so that people can understand and grasp it right and and I didn't want to write too long of a book because then it, it doesn't serve the purpose of a passive investor right I mean some people really like going into every single detail but the primary objective of that book is to introduce people to syndication and go into concepts on how can they you know optimize any deals that they're going to invest to their mm-hmm. personal goal. And then third is to explain the concepts on how does it work? How does the process work? How do you communicate with an operator or with a sponsor, right? When someone, you know, when you go for a meetup, how do you introduce yourself, mm-hmm. right, to the, to the sponsor? And when you talk to a sponsor, what are the questions you're gonna be asking them, right? Yeah. So there's so yeah. a lot of things that, you know, as a passive investor, you can be a very advanced passive investor, right? By reading this kind of book, right? and. And uh, that's what uh, I I put in. And and also the other topic I I did look at is like what are the capital sources that they can use out Mm -hmm. there, right? Sometimes people say IRA, sometimes people talk about cash, right? Sometimes people talk about solo 401k, right? And then suddenly there's like yesterday I met an investor. They said, hey, I invested like few hundred thousand, but nobody talked about UBIT, UBIT tax, right? using IRA, right? because a lot of people just do not know about it, right? But I did talk about it in my book, hey, you have to watch out for this UB tax. Mm-hmm. And how are you able to avoid UB tax? You can still use your IRA money, but how do you avoid it, right? So these are things that, I mean, as I said, passive investing commercial real estate is the title, but the subtitle is, is insider secrets to achieving financial independence, right? So uh, gotcha. yeah, we covered so many topics. Uh, some of the things that I mentioned is some of the favorite things that people always mention to me, say that this is aha moment for them. and and um, when you read the book, even active investors are going to be learning a lot of things too because <laughs> uh, sometimes uh, there are some concepts which is explained uh, you know, very well in the book that even active yeah. investors will be thinking that, oh, okay, I didn't even know that. So my goal has always been to make the passive investor more advanced than the active investor. Mm-hmm. Because once you are more advanced in asking questions and looking at certain aspects of investing passively you know you can be make a lot more smarter decisions right so right. so end goal is create more smarter passive investors so people don't keep um, asking you questions fundamental questions and people don't get surprised when they invest and no one says that I didn't know about this before I invest right so mm-hmm. that, that that is the goal of the book
2: awesome it sounds like a great read I'm definitely have to check oh. it out it sounds sounds yeah, yeah like you said yeah. right up the alley for for our listeners here. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean
1: it's like as I said sold 2000 books on a full price top 15 book by Jim Cramer the street uh, you know if you go to the uh, thestreet.com and type top 15 real estate book you know my book will be number 6 so awesome. so
2: <laughs> so yeah. as you uh, you know one topic that you mentioned what was around just understanding your goals as an investor. And, and, and I love that you started there. I think that's extremely important. I mean, uh-huh. can you go a little deeper into that of how as an, as a passive investor, do you go about defining like understanding uh-huh. what your needs are and what your goals should be so that you uh-huh. can, you can make that informed decision.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really good question. I, I I, would have loved to go deep, but I don't know how deep you want to go. But so let me, for example, let's say you are on a later part of your investment cycle, right? Your focus is a lot more like, I want lower risk. I want higher cash flow. I want more predictable income because I'm no more working or I'm at the age of retiring.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? So
1: you do not want to take a lot of risk, but you want more cash flow because you want that consistent money to be coming in. So you can retire Um, without worrying that you're going to lose your money or without money not coming in, right? So you, you want to focus a lot more on a yield type of deals or core asset class, right? Where it's very, very predictable in terms of giving me that, cash and cash return every month, right? Mm -hmm. But if you are a young guy and you have your W-2, not say young, but if you have your W-2 job, let's say if you're a doctor, right? You're going to be earning a lot of money and you're not going to retire in the next 20, 30 years if you are a a younger doctor, right? So what they want to do is they want to basically multiply their capital so that they're ready in the next 30 years when they want to ready to retire. So they want to focus more on value-add and deep value-add deals, Mm Right. So, because the, you know, deep value and value add doesn't pay a lot of cash flow, but there's a lot more equity multiple. Right. So, looking at what you are earning right now and how much is the risk. And, and also, as I mentioned, on a value and deep value add, uh, the people who are focusing a lot more on capital uh, equity appreciation or equity multiplication, they can take a lot more risk because they have their own full time job. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. they want to target which deal is being presented and you'll be surprised that some sponsors are very focused on core asset class or some sponsors are very focused on you know, value add and deep value add, right? So you want to align more towards which sponsor you are doing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's something called hybrid right, where it comes in the middle where you get cash flow a little bit, but later on you get normal cash flow, but you also get a lot of equity appreciation. So you can focus on that as well. So... So that's what I mean. Like, how can each investor, you know, look at their risk and reward on where they are in their life, whether they get some other uh, source of income, whereas they can take on a higher risk real estate investment and multiply that equity so that 20 to 30 years down the road, they have a lot more money and they can put it into a cash flow investment.
2: Right. So it sounds like the one of the main considerations is there's some investments that will put off more cash flow may may have lower overall upside but but higher cash flow more immediate cash flow right and Correct. It sounds like uh, what you're saying is those pair more which makes sense with folks that are you know nearing or in retirement right as a supplemental uh-huh. income right uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
2: versus other deals that that may have lower cash flow and and have a higher um have a higher ability to, to multiply your equity though higher equity multiple right uh-huh. and so yep. Yep. and those yep. fit with folks that typically uh, like you said are still working um, and maybe maybe on the younger side and are still trying to grow their wealth right uh-huh. still need to, to gain more wealth okay so yeah. it's really important for people to understand there's yeah. you know there's a lot of different types of investments but but even just breaking it down from cash flow focused or of wealth or like equity multiple focused, uh-huh. um, I think is a good place to start, right? And align your absolutely. goals and where you are in life uh, with that strategy.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, as I said, there's a lot more sophisticated passive investors out there uh, who are using all these strategies, but it's not very well uh, taught to the normal investors, or especially people who are jumping in into syndication because sometimes for them everything is looks looks the same, right? Unless right we go into this kind of deep conversation, right? And this, there's, there's a lot more deeper conversation, which is not covered in the book, but it's covered in my video series where we talk about like, uh, how do you look at risk adjusted return? That's a lot more advanced concept. Mm-hmm. And if you are already a normal passive investor, you can go and read that because then it makes more sense, but it's a lot more technical, but it's very, very powerful because now you can earn a lot more than even active investor by becoming more uh, advanced passive investor right mm-hmm. so if you know like risk adjusted concept and if you know like so, uh, uh, deal risk profiling right how do you profile a deal
0: yeah
2: right
1: because sometimes when, they, some, when someone when someone show you a deal you do not know whether this is a core deal or is it a value or is it a deep value how do you know it
2: right right, right?
1: but so we teach in that video series on how do you categorize them how do you measure them how do you measure whether this deal is more of a a cash flow mm-hmm. deal, or more, uh, you know, heavy towards back end by using calculation,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: So, but that's a, li- a little bit more advanced. And if someone who's want to be that advanced, want to be that super passive investor, then you go into that level. But introduction yeah. level, my book is good, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, and- that's
2: awesome. Oh. No, I, that's awesome. I mean, I like, personally, I love getting getting into into that level. I mean, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's what I'm passionate about is is helping mm-hmm. people, you know get more educated. Like you said, I think it, it aligns perfectly. Uh-huh. And so, so not to go in, in to all the weeds, but, but just uh-huh. a little bit, this idea of risk adjusted return uh-huh. um, is so important. And I, and it's something that I, I consistently through the conversations I have uh-huh. um, gets missed uh, by most people, you know, uh-huh. this idea of, if, if you're just looking at the upside and the potential, right. Or just looking at the return number, um, and not considering the likelihood of that return, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Right?
2: So so tell us a little more about that. What what does risk-adjusted mean? I mean, elaborate a little for us.
1: Sure, sure. I love it that you like to go pretty technical because I think in that terms and, uh, you know, just how deep you want to go, right? So so let me explain about risk-adjusted return, right? So what is the risk of getting that return, right? Mm-hmm. So when someone said, I'm going to give you 15% return, but what is the likelihood of that you're getting? Because you and i know that usually when we predict syndication return we are predicting like 3 to 5 years down the road right mm-hmm. and if you have 1 million dollars you probably you know put all that money 1 million dollars in the next 6 months and you are done right so for the next 5 years you have you'll be waiting for that you know what is the result of my 1 million dollars where how, what did i put in right so right. so the concept of risk adjusted return basically able to tell you uh, where is the return in the spectrum of the risk, right? So, for example, when you look at operation, there's and also disposition, right? Acquisition, operation, and disposition in a, mm-hmm. in a full investment life cycle. So, other than acquisition, there's operation, and you have in, in operation the biggest indicator is cash and cash, right? And and on the back end, the biggest indicator is what is your equity multiple when you sell. You're hoping that. You're going to make big money on the back end, but cash and cash is like you know eight ten percent, right? And then people talk about overall return. Oh, so a lot of time people say, "Oh, my IRR is fifteen percent." Yeah, right. But how do you split this IRR into two topic, into two segments where which part of it is cash flow and which part of it is back end? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's called mm-hmm. a, it's called a deal risk profiling. Right. So this is the method that we use to split that into two risk side into two different part of it. Right. And when we talk about cash flow, the Wall Street and everyone who knows about investing, lower risk, you're willing to pay higher, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're able to, you're, you want to pay higher amount of money because the risk is lower, whereas higher risk, you want to pay high lower amount of money, right? it so means cash flow is always predictable because it's happening like in one year down the road. So, you, you know, the risk of getting that cash flow is, uh, is low. Sorry, the risk of uh, getting the cash flow is high, right? So, sorry, let me let me let me clarify that. So, to get sure. a certain cash in cash, uh, let's say someone said, "I'm going to give you a ten percent cash." The risk mm-hmm. of you achieving that is pretty low because that's happening like next one year, and that's operation. Whereas the risk of you getting an exit equity multiple five years down the road is high because it's five years down the road. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Right. Right. So so the risk of the back end is always high whereas the risk on cash flow is always low right so what we do in this risk profiling of a deal is we split into this cash flow and back end and we say that oh this is 70% cash flow this is 20% 25% or 30% back end so it's good good deal because now it's more predictable
2: so you're saying that that deal being that if if you're getting Let's say your total return on the deal is fifty thousand uh-huh. dollars, and what you're saying is, you know, let's just for for easier numbers, so so yeah. forty thousand of that total return is going to come out of the cash flow in in the deal, right? Yep. Yep. You're saying that that is a lower risk deal because the predictability Absolutely. of that cash flow, it, it's just uh, it's easier to predict, it's more likely that cash flow will come than on the alternative. The, uh-huh. the other amount, I think I only had 10,000 left, but the other amount that was going to come from the appreciation in the deal, it's uh-huh. a farther time horizon. As time goes out, it uh-huh. just increases uncertainty and, it, uh-huh. and it's it's really hard to predict what you're actually going to be able to sell the property for in five years, right? Much harder mm-hmm. than yes. to predict the cash flow because likely in the in the deals, at least the deals that you and I are buying from, I understand, I mean, many of these properties have been in business 20, 30 Forty years, right? So, uh-huh. so that's kind of how I think about it. Is like these have been operating businesses for decades that have been making cash. We're just going to help them make make a little more money, right? So, uh-huh. so the cash flow is there. There's a history of it. Uh-huh. And so, what you're saying is that it's the lower risk profile because it's more not guaranteed, but more a higher probability, that higher that that's probability, yeah. Happens. Which
1: means you're 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 okay to pay a bit more money for it, right? Right, and we are looking at. Absolute numbers, right? So let's say deal A is fifteen percent IRR, deal B is fifteen percent IRR. Mm-hmm. Absolute number, right? But mm-hmm. where is the IRR mostly coming from? Is it from the back end or is it from the front end cash flow? Right. That's yeah. where you have to determine, right? But you can't compare with the fifteen percent IRR deal and a twenty percent IRR deal. But if, let's say a twenty percent IRR deal is a lot more on the back end. That's okay because it's paying you more,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. But in general, you know, if you're comparing a deal A and deal B, which has almost similar Total return. You have to see where is it skewed, because that's going to control your risk, and that's going to control your probability. Which means you 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 gonna you are willing to pay more money for it, or you're willing to invest more on it, or you know you can match it to your own personal profile as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for for taking us down down the rabbit hole for a second. That was uh, <laughs> no, no, it's it, very interesting. It, it, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think it's an important topic that we don't get to, to speak on much and, mm-hmm. and, and probably a level that is deeper than, than most people understand as they look and evaluate mm-hmm. deals. So I just, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. concept of a risk adjusted return is something you can't you can't dig enough into, I don't think. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at stocks, I mean, there's so many books you can go and get stocks and there's growth stocks, mm-hmm. there's value stocks. So many people write about stocks, but not many people write about investing into real estate, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's a lot of people writing about how to buy real estate, yeah. But 95% of the investors out there do not want to be an active investor. Right? They want to be
2: passive. Right. Right. So
1: this book was written for that 95% of the real estate people.
2: Gotcha. No, it makes total sense. Something else that you hit on is around just, uh, you know, I guess communicating as a passive investor, app- approaching sponsors, kind of building that that network out. I mean, what are things that, that passive investors or any investors can do to um i guess show up in the right way you know communicate in the right way you know uh, give give off um, an air of ed, an, an education and, and just come off in the right way to to sponsors or to other investors or you know whoever uh, whoever they're communicating with
1: yeah i think it's just be open about it if you want if you're looking for sponsors just say yeah, i'm looking for active uh, sponsors of deals and this is the type of deals I'm looking for just be open about it. open about it and talk to sponsors right so one thing I would caution is basically you know do not go I mean a lot of sponsors are hardworking people and that's why I mean everybody I want to make money sponsors want to make money passive want to mm-hmm. make money but keep in mind sponsors are the one who are running the entire show right? I mean especially operators who who are buying deals, sourcing deals that's a lot of work. Yeah. operating a deal and trying to turn around, it's a lot of work and you want to have certain trust in them, in their capabilities. Right? That's why they, they're they active and you are passive, right? I mean,
2: yeah.
1: and I always put this analogy, you know, the passive investors are the you know, passengers in the flight, whereas the active investors are the pilot, right? I mean, you don't want to go and ask pilot, hey, do you know how to fly this plane? <laughs> do you know what happened next? Right? I mean, do you know where's the engine? I mean, they are trained to do that, right? Whereas, uh, so there is certain trust that passive investors need to put on the active investors, right?
2: So and how do you build that trust? Yeah, how do you build that trust? Say you're, you're trying to develop a new relationship or or let's say an investor is building a new relationship with you, right? You meet a new mm-hmm. investor, mm-hmm. Um, you know, what can they do to 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 start to gain trust in that mm-hmm. that sponsor? Just, uh, I mean,
1: of course, build a relationship, get on the phone and get to know them and all that, right? But at the same time, follow them, what they're doing and what kind of content they're putting out. I mean, look for sponsors who are putting a lot of free content, like adding value to people rather than some sponsor, which you do not know where they come from, right? What kind of knowledge mm-hmm. do they have, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, and you just build, you know, let say, you know, if they send a mail out, if they send a newsletter out, say, thank you for the newsletter. you know, It's, it's a lot more, um, you know, back and forth responses can be, can be done with the sponsors rather than, waiting for a deal, right? I mean, everybody wants a deal, a really good deal they want to invest, but, you know, just build yeah. that relationship, right? And and that's something I even I see in my investor base, right? Whenever we put up a deal, it gets oversubscribed. And and a lot of times the people we put on the deal is people we already know, right? Because I can imagine them and imagine their my conversation with them. We know their investment goal. They understand me. Rather than taking somebody completely new, which we don't know because, because the five year of three to five year of marriage, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And you don't want to get someone which is not a good fit with your personality. So just build that relationship with them. Just keep communicating this emails and tags. And I say, thank you. You know, uh, just just build that relationship.
2: And what about from the, the actual passive investor side? Are there things that investors should be doing to vet their sponsors? Before they oh, that's the a big,
1: that's a big topic, right? So, but I, th- I would say, let me summarize to one, the best way to vet yeah. a sponsor is, especially the sponsor who is new is like talk to the current passive investors,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Build a relationship. With the, how is that person doing? Are they communicating? You know, Because investments go, it goes up and down, right? Especially in real estate, right? Uh, I mean, any investment goes up and down, right? But you know, a lot of it's private, right? The best way to get to know, on how a investors and how an active investor is, is performing or, you know, going to be, you know, uh, communicating is just to talk to their current passive investors.
2: Gotcha. So, so don't even, don't waste the time speaking with the sponsor. I mean, cause the sponsor is going to tell you all the good stuff. Yeah, right? of but course. I mean, yeah. speak to, speak to the other people that are actually investing with them. Correct. Correct. Uh, correct, correct. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, that, that, that's a great just, tip.
1: You have to do some homework, right? I mean, you are investing yeah. fifty to hundred thousand, and sometimes people expect everything to be given to them on a phone call, right? You have to go to meetups, you have to go to conferences, you have to be in Facebook groups. Yeah, um, you know, just talk to people who have invested with us. You know, just say, hey, how's, how's that person? Uh, I mean, sometimes it's pretty easy to identify a good operator and mm-hmm. uh, you know authentic people, uh, but you know, sometimes you 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 want to you get you see these deals really good, by do not know the guy? Try to see whether you know. Uh, you can connect with some of the previous uh, investors enough.
2: Yeah, no, great tip. So let's switch gears a little bit because I want to hear more Mm -hmm. about your business. Uh, You've obviously, um, you know, you've grown to to over 2,000 doors. You've got a vertically integrated business Um, and and you've obviously um, grown, you know, fairly quickly, you know, relatively speaking, right? You said it's been, what, about six years, six or seven years? Oh, I I lost your...
1: Sorry, 2016 is when we started. I would say four to five years is when we started. I mean, uh, we bought our first building at the end of 2015 is when we closed. So 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 I would say 2015, 2016.
2: Okay, great. So, and what is it that's allowed you to to scale up your business uh, so much so quickly?
1: Um, Three things. Uh, One is hard work. Second is being persistent. And the third is just to try and we always try to do something different from everybody else, right? Like, mm-hmm. for example, um, when we started, we source all our deals uh, by going direct to the sellers, right? We're doing the yellow letter marketing and all that, where everybody, you know, going to brokers, right? And yeah, so, so we try to do it different. It's a lot more hard work, but that's mm-hmm. where you get the best deals out there. Um, And also vertically integrated company, right? Where we own our own property management, asset management, you know, raised money ourselves as well. And not many people are willing to do the property management side, Mm -hmm. right? People say that's that's a very thankless job, right? Which is true. Yeah. But you need control to get the maximum return of your investment, right? Mm -hmm. And so these are a few things that we do and we do a lot more other things as well. uh, But a few things that we do, Maybe the third one is I put out a lot of free content for people, right? And sometimes people ask me, even my podcast people say, James, why are you telling them all the secrets, right? But, you know, there's no secret, right? This hard work (laughs) is more important. I can tell you every single secret, but whether the person's willing to do that, that steps that I'm telling you, that's a completely different story, right? Not many people will do it, like probably zero Yeah,
2: no, I I think that's a great perspective. I mean, just like anything else, like, Mm -hmm. you know, most things, I guess... are except rocket science are are not rocket science, right? You, you can you can figure them out. And, and sure. the thing I found in in just my life and career is once you get into something, it's usually not as difficult as you think it, uh-huh. it's going to be. I mean, at least uh-huh. from a complication standpoint. But uh-huh. what it comes down to, right, is, is the willingness to work hard, and Absolutely. and Absolutely. put in the time. And I think that's that's really what separates folks, right? So you yeah. say you're giving away all the secrets, well. You know it's fine to hear it but are you are you actually going to turn around and go do it and right do that's it, a totally yeah. different
1: story Absolutely yeah it's true it's a, I'm just I mean it's not surprising it's just that some people ask what's your secret well I can tell you all the secret but yeah. <laughs> how many are you going to do it or not right
2: you show up every day i mean you're at a property right now right
1: yeah, yeah, I'm in a property right now. We have a lot of pipe bursts right now due to the Texas storm. And, and I'm here looking at, you know, trying to solve this problem because this, mm-hmm. and not many sponsors are willing to do that, right? They just want to be asset manager behind a computer and they make calls and try to find out how to solve it, right? But sometimes mm-hmm. when owners are on the side, you know, things get resolved much quicker, right? And end of the day, the residents are going to be much more happier and they're going to be staying longer, right? And that's how, that's how you make, you know, much, much better returns, which is equivalent to a much, much better track record, which is equivalent to much, much better repeatability of passive investors, Mm -hmm. right? So, so like we have raised like almost $60 million with, you know, with like probably 300 investors, right? And average investment is like 150 and that's unheard of because our track record is so good and people are willing to put in. And that just come, comes from things like what I'm doing right now. I'm being at the property, right? I'm an yeah. operator, <laughs> we are trying to solve the problem so that we can get our residents to be
2: happy. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you, know, you mentioned on you mentioned a couple other things I thought were really interesting. You know, one mm-hmm. is yeah. just the idea of, of vertical integration. And so, you yeah. know, in my own business, I mean, we're vertically integrated. We take a lot of pride in that uh-huh. um, and see the benefits there. But I'm I'm curious from your perspective, you know, how does how does that add value to, to your deals?
1: It's just a control uh, and uh, fluctuation of control as well. Like for example, when COVID hit, and you know, of course our delinquency went up, but we can also reduce our staff to compensate for that. right? Whereas if mm-hmm. it's a third party, if you have a third party property management, which is not vertically integrated, then you got no control. It's whatever they want to say, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and we do a lot of difficult deals. We do a lot of deep value add and value add deals. And we just need that control to turn around property very quickly. Right. Um, so vertical integration gives you the control. It may not give you the profit, but it gives you the control, and that ends up to becoming a, a much better return at the end of the day.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then you mentioned you mentioned some of the markets that, that you're in. You, you said mm-hmm. Austin, San you Antonio, De- Texas. Austin, San Antonio. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are those are two hot markets. Those are competitive markets. Yet mm-hmm. you said that you find deals off market. So it it seems like there's a a disconnect there or at least something that that you're doing differently, like you said. So can you tell us Uh a little bit about, you know, first of all, maybe just, maybe just what is an off market deal and then, Uh and then what is it, what is the value of, of finding off market deals?
1: Yeah. Correct. Correct. I'm sure you, you see, you know, everybody offering deals out there and everybody says off market deal, but off market can be categorized into like probably like three types, right? One is, where you are, you know, a broker brings you a deal and tells this deal is an off market, but actually the broker, what he does is he also tell 10 other people, right? This is <laughs> yeah. all off market. <laughs> and Those they create are, this. They're always <laughs> off market. Yeah. they. I mean, off market sounds cool. And of course it's going easy to raise money. I like say this deal is off market, right? Mm-hmm. But what's the real definition of off market? So brokers do that a lot. They They bring a deal, they don't really publish yeah. it on market, but they make, they create that cool factor of having like 10 people yeah. looking at it and they create internal competition. They still do some kind of best and final off yep. market, right? Yeah. Um, I,
2: I call that like pre-market. Oh, really?
1: Uh, that's a good, good way.
2: Like, like they didn't want to, you know, it's, it's the, sh- like, because there is a, there is, it's a very real thing that, that brokers uh-huh. have a short list, right? They, uh-huh. they have uh-huh. a list of people who they know can deliver and who, uh-huh. and who they build a relationship with. And, and that's the uh-huh. group that they. They send it out to right before the full mm. marketing package is done because if they yeah, can get it done yeah. there, you don't have to spend all the time and effort going through the mm. full marketing cycle. So yeah, those, well, pre markets.
1: Yeah, well, that that is a different category for me, right? The okay. first category. The first category I mentioned is that they're just looking for some guy out there to overpay.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> and the reason why they didn't bring it on market because they're too shy to bring it on market. You know, this must be like a really bad deal.
2: Oh, those are like the, the loop net deals. The
1: loop. well, it doesn't even. Get, <laughs> I mean, uh, the bad deal, which they don't have, sometimes they don't even have a listing on it. They don't even assign agreement from the seller. They just throw it out there. To, and then sometimes they over promise to the seller, I'm going to get you like yeah. 20% more than what everybody else. Just gotcha. tell me what is it. Give me financials. And then they couldn't throw it to you know, market and see. Is there a newbie who's trying to bite on this bullet or not?
2: Right. So gotcha. Okay. That's the okay. off market I'm talking okay. about. Okay.
1: Yeah. The next level is, of course, that's the better off market. That what you describe, where it's a really good deal, but they just do not want to market it because the seller could have said that, "Hey, I do not want my stuff to get spooked, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just mm-hmm. bring it to a three or four good closers, right? That's a mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good off market deal, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to really see whether which category does it fall." The last category is where, you know, there's a handshake between the seller. I mean, well, maybe there's fourth category. The third category is where a broker brings a deal and tells you this deal is something that you can close because you are the perfect person because you know this type of deals. Like it's a mm-hmm. big foundation issue. Is there a big claim? Is there a loan penalty issues, right? Or, or you, if you have a property in front of this property, right? So that's the third category because they think that you are the best buyer. They're just going to give you a shot. Mm-hmm. Right. So the first, all the top three is involving broker. The last, the best and the hardest and the best for, for newbies to start is where they're able to have a direct handshake with the seller. Gotcha. Right? You and seller talking directly and he gives you a price and that becomes a true off-market deal.
2: And so and which one of those categories are the deals that you're doing? Which one do they fall in?
1: So the first, uh, the last two is where I look for, right? So when okay. I started, I started direct off-market off, uh, off market to sellers and we're buying, handshake me, handshaking with the seller and we're buying a deal, right? Which mm-hmm. no brokers involved, nobody knows about it, me and me and seller. Mm-hmm. But after the first two deals, everything else is true. Brokers, a lot, well, let me think, there's one which is a unique case which came through facebook group so i'm going to talk about that in a short while wow. so so the, the most of the deals after the first direct to seller it comes from the third category where the seller brings to me directly and says, that this is you can execute this the best kind of thing right because they know we are local operators we can turn around property and we are good closer as well good tracker mm-hmm. um and as i said there's one odd case where i got it through my facebook group and i said in, in fact that is the biggest largest um, uh, acquisition that we have done. It's almost like $32 million in deal and it came through my Facebook group, right? So wow! tips for your uh, listeners, join my Facebook group. It's called Multifamily <laughs> Investors Group.
2: <laughs> sounds like it. There's deals to be done in there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. We just did a $30 million deal through that group, right? And yeah. That's, that's that's a unique one.
2: That's awesome. But so just going back to, to why, why would you want to do an off-market deal? It, soo- just, it sounds like a lot of work.
1: It's a lot of work, but if uh, if you look at your time span versus effort versus results, it's much better than un- underwriting, you know, twenty on market deal and going through best and final and buying, buying, uh, overpaying, overpaying for the deal. I mean, any deals that you yeah. go through best and final, you're fundamentally also overpaid. <laughs> Correct, yeah. it, huh? right? Right. Yeah. Out of ten people who came for the best and final, you so you can say I want the deal, mm-hmm. but you're also the highest paying guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And real estate, the fundamental law of real estate is you always have to buy right, which means you have to always have to buy at the lower value.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. So you, yeah. you you make money when you buy, when you sell, is right. where you take the profit. Right. So yep. any deal that you, I mean, most of the deals, I mean, I would say 99% of the deal that you go through best and final, uh, especially in the hot market like where, where I am in Dallas, sure. Austin, Texas, where there's day one hard money and multiple people coming from trying to buy in the cities, I mean, you basically overpaid. So you have to pray so that it goes up from that point because you already overpaid, and now you have to hope that market continues to appreciate, right? And I don't like that. I'm I'm a I'm a risk-averse guy. I'm a, mm-hmm. I, I always look at risk So I always look for deals which is, you know, has lower risk, and that the way to find that deals is off market. So, so rather than doing 20 on market best and final deal, I I'd rather go and do. I go I I'd rather take my time and the stress level. And go look for off-market deals and work with some brokers on a very exclusive certain deal level, or Mm -hmm. even going direct to seller. Because the time versus effort versus result is much better on the off-market side.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. And and you're buying ultimately at a better value, which allows you to to create a better return for the investor.
1: Yeah. And, And if you look at it, you build that relationship with the brokers. You build that relationship with the seller, right? And most of the time, apartment owners, are they don't own like one apartment, right? They own multiple, right? I mean, they yeah. get to know you personally. Yeah. They may be selling you more, right? <laughs> and it's just a feeling of winning, right? When you feel and you mm-hmm. get a really off-market deal, it feels so good because mm-hmm. I beat, nobody else knows about the deal and I feel so good versus mm-hmm. like I go and compete and I paid the most and I won and... How do I turn around to my investors say that i I this deal conservatively? you can never say that right on a bidding wall right because hey you are the guy who paid the most. <laughs> How can you say you're conservative you are the worst conservative guy
2: <laughs> well, yeah i mean i I guess relative to the other people you you yeah. uh, uh, yeah. you've you've definitely taken the most um Aggressive, right? Or aggressive the, assumptions, right? Okay. To be yeah, able exactly. To, to return the yeah, be able yeah to how, return go, the how do you go? How do you and do syndication
1: when, on your webinar? Can you say that uh, I'm the most aggressive guy? Well, of course, nobody's going to say that, right? But
2: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> every, every deal I've ever seen has conservative under.
1: Everybody says I'm conservative. I've never but seen a deal with,
2: that starts out and says our underwriting, our underwriting <laughs> exactly. is really aggressive, <laughs> and we may not achieve it. Yeah,
1: yeah, but, yeah. I, uh, yeah, unless you're doing a 1031 money where your goal is completely different, or your family yeah. office, your more the wealth yeah. preservation thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was right?
2: the only other caveat I was going to say is you yeah. know there there are examples where the the mm-hmm. investors just have a different return mm-hmm. profile that they're trying Correct. to achieve. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. and maybe able to pay a higher price, but yeah. but yeah, for for the most part, where you're going, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, especially if you're in those hotter markets and there's 30 people bidding and. And yeah, you've got to hope that, that it continues to appreciate, Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Awesome. James. Well, well, I mean, I've appreciated all the info. You obviously, I mean, I mean, heck you wrote the book on it, but you obviously know your stuff and, Mm -hmm. uh, and a great level of detail. I appreciate you sharing Mm -hmm. some of your insights with us. Absolutely. Going deep on some of those topics. Um, The last segment of the show is called Keys to Success. And so I'd love to ask you four questions. promise there's no brain teasers in here. No worries. uh, The very first question is, what is the question that every investor should be asking their deal sponsor if they only got one question?
1: That's a really good question. Uh, um, Just, you know, their track record, I guess, right? So, uh, and I say it's very hard to get a track record and direct from the sponsor, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's better to get from the investors who have invested with them. Um, and it's also hard to ask them directly, can you give me a reference, right? So you just have to network and find someone. Have you invested with this person kind of thing, right? And it's an investment, right? So um, yeah, yeah it I mean, Sounds like would, the
2: answer might be, don't ask the sponsor a question. Ask okay. their investors a question.
1: Correct. That'll be the best question you can ask, right? Yeah. The most beneficial question. But if you want to talk to sponsor, you can ask them about a, hey, what kind of deal do you focus
2: Okay. Right, uh, focus?
1: Yeah. yeah how how are you different from everybody else
2: yeah i like that one how are you different i mean yeah i, I think you, yeah. you you know you talked about what you guys have done to differentiate there's a clear mm-hmm. value prop there mm-hmm. and uh yeah it definitely helps uh separate yeah. competition because
1: everybody's trying to be a, an active investor right now right people go for boot camp and the next day they say, i'm an active investor mm-hmm. people invested in uh you know passive passive deals let's say they invest in uh, you know 0.01% into uh, 500 units and they claim that 500 units is yes, right? they go around and tell that we own 5000 units but actually hey, you have not been an active investor so you know sometimes it's sometimes a bit misleading right so sure <laughs> you be careful with that
2: yeah so the track record is really important and, and, yeah. di- and digging in to understand what what yeah. were you act what was your role and what were you really involved yeah. in right? yeah what's
1: your role absolutely so right. that's that I talk in my book, are you an operator? Because mm-hmm. operators are the backbone of the deal. They know mm-hmm. the business plan they're going to execute. They control the whole deal, right? And
2: mm-hmm.
1: you want to invest with the operators.
2: Yeah, to me, that's the fun part.
1: Yeah, that's the fun, right? I mean, <laughs> but not many people are willing to do the hard work of being an operator.
2: Yeah, that, <laughs> that's true. That is true. So what are you most proud of in your career?
1: Uh, that, I know, sometimes we, well, I mean, I think how I make impact for others right I mean um, when I started this I never really thought on on how quickly we can grow but we were so passionate and the biggest thing is we can make impact in many ways impact to our residents impact to our own life personal life Mm -hmm. impact to our own uh, wealth creation and you know we also give back a lot we we our mission has been always been to educate you know, orphans and, uh, in third world country. And right now, we are like 330 orphans being educated on a monthly basis, where we sponsor the education. So we are proud Honestly. of doing all that. Yeah, that's our unit yeah. count. That's <laughs>
2: awesome. That's your unit count. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We
1: don't care about the number of units, right? Because number of units you know, can be nebulous, right? But yeah, 30 kids, and then we're going to go grow that bigger.
2: That's great. That's a true impact. Yeah. What book should everybody be reading?
1: Uh, At least Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other book is Magic of Thinking Big.
2: Okay, very good. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, what is your number one key to success?
1: Um, Do things differently from everybody else.
2: Do things differently. I like it. Very good. Well, James, thank you so much, man. Appreciate all your time. If folks want want to learn more from you, how can they re- how can they reach you?
1: Um, Achieve Investment Group is my company. Achieve is achieving like achieving a goal. A C H I E V E. AchieveInvestmentGroup.com. My email is james at AchieveInvestmentGroup.com. And I recently launched a, a free book plus shipping. Shipping is like four dollars something for my book. Uh, so you can go to PassiveInvestingInRealEstate.com to get the book. PassiveInvestingInRealEstate.com to get the book for free.
2: Great. You check the book out and check James out with uh, Achieve Investment Group. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Appreciate all the knowledge you share with us and uh, have a great rest of the day.
1: Absolutely. Happy to add value to you and your
2: audience. Thank you.
0: That's it for this episode. If you'd like to learn even more, check out James's free audiobook. It's the audio version of his best selling book on passive investing. You can get the audiobook completely free, along with other valuable resources, by visiting www.achieveinvestmentgroup.com forward slash free audiobook. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group too. To find it, just do a Facebook search for Multifamily Investors Group. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another episode next week. See you then.